My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 507. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, uh, my wife... I never refer to you as my wife, do I? Let's do that. My friend named Sweetie... <laughs> let's, let's go back. <laughs> um, ...is going to talk about gaslighting, which I don't... Uh, which is going to be important because... I don't know. Maybe I'm the last one, but it's always been confusing to me what it is. Oh, you're not the last one. Everybody says it's confusing. That's why I wanted to talk about it in a really like, um, is the word didactic, dynamic? Didactic is a very kind of cool word that I don't know what it means. Well, that's what I mean. I don't know if I'm using the word correctly, but basically I just want to break it down because then we can use it with some authority and understanding. And I also think once we understand what the word gaslighting means, we recognize that there are either is someone gaslighting us or we look back on an experience in life and go, wow, I was being gaslit. Didactic, intended to teach particularly in having moral instruction as an ulterior motive. Yeah, so it's a bit didactic. It's, um, I don't even understand what it means after reading the de- definition. I think it just means like I want to give like instruction, mm-hmm. like I want to go step by step through. And mm. of course, I mean, the it's interesting because the moral inventory part, I don't really yeah. understand that. Ulterior motive. Anyways, okay. Um, a few announcements. Uh, we are teaching at 1440, October 25th through the 27th. We hope to see you there. It's going to be a weekend where we talk about parenting, self-awareness, sex, drugs, alcohol, anxiety, screen time. And it's going to be a very intimate in that there's probably only going to be a few dozen, two dozen people well, there. Well, we don't really know. It's not really about the number of people that are going to be there. It's about that whoever is there, you get the opportunity to kind of do a deep dive into maybe something you are dealing with. Yes. Maybe hear some new information, maybe have the ability to recognize that the other people in the room have similar situations. I have found that part of the beauty of any kind of workshop, especially a weekend workshop or, you know, hearing someone speak is you realize that the things you're experiencing are very common and understanding the common humanity piece of issues is how we practice self-compassion. Right. Cause we walk around thinking we're the only ones experiencing something when really it's a very human issue. So let's talk human issues. Um, and then, uh, the tribe is virtual. So if you're a man and you want to give and get support and have authentic conversations, go to tribemensgroup.org. Our next, uh, virtual meeting is on September 11th, 8 30 PM. And, and you guys, we really do have a conference coming up February 28th, 29th leap year weekend. That's right. And we are going to be announcing our speakers and early bird special. Well, not early bird special. Is that what it's called? No, that's when you go eat. The early bird tickets yeah. will go on sale. You can call it an early bird special, sweetie. Is it's it? okay. Okay. In the next couple of weeks. And so I love this time of year when we get to like start the whole process of the conference. And it's going to be a great conference. We are going, it's funny because we're kind of, going deep around some issues and then expanding around other issues. Depth and breadth. Yeah, I like it. Um, and then I'm, I want to talk about a real sports. This is my quick take. Okay, go ahead. Um, I was sick last week, so I spent a lot of time watching TV. 
I turned on Bryant Gumbel, Real Sports. Sometimes we quote that show on this podcast. They do good journalistic oh, wonderful reporting. reporting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Bryant Gumbel is a wonderful, he's put together an incredible show. His mannerisms annoy me for some reason, but that's besides the point. Yeah. Let's just love him as he is. Um, they did a story on a little country that I like to call Norway. Yeah, you take a lot of pride. Um, I am Norwegian, and there's about 5 million people in Norway, which is the population of Minnesota. And in the 2018 Olympics, they broke a record. They mm-hmm. had 39 medals, which is more medals than any country had ever gotten in a single Olympics, at least maybe winter. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're, uh, Maybe somebody else has the, the lead for summer. But anyways... But they do their sports a little bit differently in regards to the youth. And this reminds me of our first um, conference we did. We had a guy named John O'Sullivan, a good friend of ours. And uh, he just believes in what we believe in, which is not pressuring your kids into thriving at this really young and tender age. And Well, wait a second. Let me say that different. Pressuring your kids into thriving. What he believes in is that sports should be fun. Sure. And that, so thriving is a positive word. Sure. But he, he doesn't, what he doesn't want, the statistic he always quotes is most kids are quitting sports by 13. Yes. Because they can't stand what they've been forced to do, what they've been expected to do, what they've been exposed to. So John O'Sullivan goes around talking, goes around the country talking to coaches and parents about how to bring back joy and connection and what we really want kids to learn, which is fun, leadership, enjoyment, which leads to this Norway thing. So on the world stage, the Norwegians spanked everybody, including the Americans, including the Russians, including the Chinese, which is just awesome. And um, this is, I'm just going to play a few quick clips, less than a minute, but uh, I want to get your reaction, my darling. Wait until you hear this. You don't keep score for kids between the ages of six and 12, is that right? That's right. We don't keep score and we don't rank. So the local club can't post scores, can't post rankings for the team or the individuals? Cannot, and if they do, we tell them not to. Tora Overbo is the head of Norway's Olympic training program and was an elite athlete himself as a member of his country's 1988 Olympic rowing team. An American parent would say, come on, give me a break. The world is about winning and losing, and you've got to learn that at a young age. Yeah, for the results in the Olympic Games, I want the American parents to continue thinking this way. <laughs> this all sounds so nice and soft and friendly and rosy and... Yeah, but it should be a good environment. It should be safe. It shouldn't be hostile. It's not soft. It's right. Right for the kids. Take this middle school relay race, for example. It looks like any in America, with one big exception. There will be no winners and no losers. Can you imagine having a track meet in this country, parents are in the stands, and at the end, they don't have any winners or losers. There's no way that this would happen in this state right now. Well, I disagree. I think there are places that do this. In the United States? Yeah, but, but hear me out. Okay. We have gone through some phases of where we're like, um, everyone's going to run, everyone's going to have a good time and everyone's going to get a trophy. Yeah. Okay. So the United States has this version. That's true. The, the difference is, is the, is the reason intention and methodology behind it. Mm -hmm. Norway understands that sports for kids should be fun. Yeah. And that 
the intention of the, their 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 country is so amazing about like their bottom line of what they want. Like they're very clear. They're not like we need to win, we need to be the best, we need to dominate, we need to overcome everybody else. They're like, how do we take care of our people? Mm-hmm. How do we take care of the kids? How do we give them a healthy childhood? Because if you guys were listening, once they get to be how old? 16? 14? Uh, no, at 12. Okay, at 12. So at 13. So 6 to 12, they don't keep track of who's winning. They don't post standings. Right, no rank. No ranking, all that stuff. So there is a point, for those of you who are like, oh, I'm so tired of people being coddled, where they do make a choice Mm -hmm. maybe to go with a certain sport more seriously. But that 0 to 12 or 0 to 13 or whatever it is, sports can remain what it's supposed to be, which is enjoyment, leadership, fun, connection. Instead of having a four-year-old kid who's going to classes all week and going to a camp and has a tutor or what do do you call it, a coach, Mm -hmm. because we want to mold that person into something that maybe they're not supposed to become. Yeah, and they didn't mention this, and then I'm going to play another quick clip. Um, I don't know what the rates are, but the the stat that you brought up is most 80% of kids quit sports by the time they're 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And I, there's no way that that's like that in Norway, no. I'm guessing. No. So anyways. Well, and it's also, you know, understanding why we're having kids do sports because so there's, there's so many layers to this. And, and, you know, I know this is your quick take. I don't want to dive too deep. But a lot of parents, before they've even had a child, have decided my child is going to do this thing. Right. And I'm going to pay for whatever I need to pay for to get them this thing. And I'm going to coach this team. And and I get to live out my dream on or with my child. And the child doesn't even have an opportunity to figure out if this is something they want. Sure. And they believe, like, I can't tell you how many kids I spoke to. I, this is not happening as much anymore because I'm not working with kids as much. But four or five years ago, who were already having surgeries at nine. Mm-hmm who were having going to physical therapists at 11, who were already struggling with back problems because of, and, and not because of sports, but because of the, the, what's, what am I looking for? Fatigue? The sports without any common sense around it. Sports that it's like, you have to learn this now, you have to do this now. And there was so much pressure that their bodies were breaking down. Right. So the intention, from what I understood from this because Todd had me watch this with him. He watched it a few times, is that their goal is let's make sports fun. Yeah. Let's have kids learn how to play and enjoy each other and appreciate fun. Well, and think of all the Little League games, and we've all seen the parents. Maybe we are, some of us are those parents that go, you know, and they've even played some clips of this dad who's just... Unbelievably. Unbelievably uh invested in the outcome of of this child's baseball game. Mm -hmm. And... um, it grinds my gears, sweetie. Yeah, I know. I know it does. That's from Del Griffith. He said that. Mm-hmm. Um, who's Del Griffith? Who's Del Griffith, sweetie? Come on. Well, I know, but I'm... John Candy from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay. Nothing grinds my green. Nothing grinds my gears from from some chowdered head that doesn't know when to keep his big trap shut. It's pretty good. All right. Kids are having fun. Most of them will keep coming back. And the country won't lose any possible late bloomers ugly sports ducklings who may one day turn into swans. We like to look at a kid at six, seven, and eight. The coach says, ooh, that one moves a little faster. He's a little taller. She's stronger. Let's give her more attention. Have we got it wrong? Every kid has to have the feeling that I am the special kid. So you want every kid to be nurtured. Yeah. That is very important. Every kid has to feel that I 
someone has seen me, someone has listened to me, uh, someone has uh, treated me with respect, and I want to come back on this training the next day. They just, those Norwegians, we could do this. I know. And here, here's what kind of drives me crazy is I know some people will listen to that and roll their eyes and be like, oh, these kids yeah, today. Right. What he's trying to say is not every kid needs to be seen, heard, and valued so they can become Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Every kid <clears throat> needs to be seen, heard, and valued so they can be a healthy member of society. The Norwegians are quite aware that all these children playing sports are not going to become professional athletes. Right. What he's saying is, can we use sports to help our children become good people? Yeah. And then the people, then they go on, and I don't think you're going to play this part, but they'll say, once you get through that tunnel, that pre-teen tunnel, there are kids who are like, I want this. Mm -hmm. And then they put themselves in a position yeah, they where decide. They, find, they decide. It's not a parent of an eight-year-old. Exactly. All right, 20 more seconds and then we'll be done. Okay. Promise. Norway's all-inclusive approach to sports and low-pressure environment has helped make it one of the healthiest and most joyful countries in the world. Let's go! In fact, since the United Nations World Happiness Report started its annual ranking of almost 200 countries, Norway has been in the top four every year. That's it. I know. And that's, this is the thing is you guys, it's not, we, sometimes we can become really <laughs> myopic and super focused on no, not everyone can become a famous athlete. And that's not what this is about. Yeah. This is about how do you build and grow a healthy society and sports can be one of the ways we do that. Even if we're not here, this is the irony. I don't think the people who sat down and wrote this thought, how do we develop a plan in Norway so we win the most medals and we like dominate? Mm -hmm. I think they sat down and created a plan to create a healthy country. Yeah. And what they found in turn was that they also were raising amazing athletes. Well, yeah. Like what's the goal? The goal was not to win 39 gold medals. Right. The goal was how do we make sports fun? And then they, so they started from a different place. Correct. Intention Begin, creates, you know, creates the outcome. Begin with the end in mind. Correct. And if they're, if the end was we need to conquer the world in the winter Olympics in 2018, they probably wouldn't have gotten there. Well, and maybe they would have, but if their means to get there was breaking down children, like I don't even know where to begin with this. Like, well, I'll just say this one story so we can understand this. Simone Biles, right? Mm -hmm. Amazing. You, yeah. you know what she did last weekend, right? I heard she did something that nobody's ever done. Yeah. On two different, on the floor and on the beam. Okay. Okay. So she did two new things. Yeah. And before she started, she gave an interview where she said, this, this gymnastics organization had one job. All they had to do was keep us safe, and they didn't do it mm -hmm. because she was also a survivor of the Nasser thing. Yeah. So our best athletes, we were more concerned yeah. about not taking care of them in that healthy way and like listening to them, listening to hundreds of girls. And I know not all of them came forward initially, but it ended up being hundreds of girls. We were more concerned about looking a certain way, winning, keeping, winning, winning at all costs, and that is where the intention is out of whack. Yeah. And so we can say, oh, but look at Simone Biles. She's still doing a good job. That is, there are many girls in there who may be doing great in gymnastics, who may be struggling emotionally. We yeah. know they are. Yeah. Who, who may in their lives, after they have that medal around their neck, experience a trauma that they have difficulty 
maintaining relationships, trusting people. What do we care about the most? And that's, I really appreciated her as the leader speaking out because if she speaks out and so many other people have before, Allie Raisman, everybody has. Starts at the top. But yes, she is willing to say this organization had one job and they didn't do it. And we in our, so take that down in your community, in your school, you know, we don't have to be the national, you know, gymnastics organization to practice this. Sure. How and and you and I are lucky enough to know some coaches in this community who their intention is so good. Sure. You know, they're like, I just want these kids to have a good time, get to know each other, um, and believe in them. Because when you believe in them, they do amazing things. Yeah. So um, Jeremy Kraft, he is a partner of the week, bald head of beauty, avid company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Uh, avidco.net is his website and his phone number is 630-956-1800. Sweetheart, what is gaslighting? So gaslighting is, um, okay, so let me say why I'm going to talk about this. I've had a lot of women in my office in the last year who have been telling me stories about their experiences with either their partner, their parents, um, what's going on in our political world, um, friends, um, where they've been telling me stories where I have been able to say to them after I hear it, it sounds like um, there's some gaslighting going on. And they, I would say 95% say, what is that? Yeah. So they don't even know that this is the tact. They don't even know that this is a tactic that's being used against so them. So we need to make so people aware that this exists, this so exists. that they can identify it when it happens. Correct, and so you can have some clarity about what's occurring. Because uh, so gaslighting is when a person or an organization um, to gain more power, they make someone else question their reality. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's like the the overall definition, but we're gonna like go through it sure. so you have a better understanding. And anybody is susceptible to this. This is not like, oh, I'm a strong-willed person. And part of the reason it's really important for me personally to talk about it is I was in a relationship where this occurred and I considered myself and continue to consider myself a smart person and a self-aware person. And I had a pretty good self-concept. I mean, I was younger, so it's not as, I'm not as, I wasn't as aware as I am now, but it can happen really. Cleverly. Yes. um, Under the table, like just in a way that you don't even realize it's happening. It's the slow burn thing. It's the frog in the frying pan thing. It's like where one thing happens and you're like, oh, that kind of was uncomfortable, but that continues to happen. And before you know it, you know, the frog in the frying pan is the frog sits in the frying pan. And if we turn up the heat slowly, then it doesn't even know it's boiling. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense, Todd? Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's not a frying pan. It's a big uh, it's a big uh, boiling bowl thing. Like I think of a frying pan, like a, a frog's going to get in there. If it starts getting hot, it's going to get out of there. But not right? if you tune up the heat. I mean, you could talk about it in boiling water, yeah, that's, too. Yeah, it just makes more sense the, to me. The, the phrase that um, people often say is yeah. frog in the frying pan. Okay. Okay. But I understand that you're got saying it, they it. would just jump out. But imagine if you just turn up the heat just a little bit and it's just warm on mm, your feet. Right. And then by the time your feet are burning, you're like, this is my normal life. Yeah, you're right. Frying Frog in the frying pan yeah. syndrome. Yeah. Okay. So you're thinking of the lobster in the boiling water. Well, it's just a 
boiling frog is a fable describing a frog being slowly boiled alive. The premise is that if a frog is put suddenly into boiling water, it'll jump out. But if a frog is put in tepid water, which is then brought to a boil slowly, it will not perceive the danger and will be cooked to death. Correct. So it's funny. We're calling it frying pan, but really it is in the boiling yeah, water. Got it. Okay. Okay. These things are important. For me, it is. <laughs> it is. Because I can't, I need to get a the visual, visual of I it. understand. Okay. So, so just so you know, who tends to use the, this gaslighting technique? Uh, abusers, dictators, narcissists, uh, cult leaders. Mm. Okay. So that's a pretty wide range of people. Now, the thing about the, the, you know, we may say, well, I don't know any people like that. Of course you do. Do you know how many narcissistic people there are in the world? And do you know how many people use abuse to keep people in their place? Right. So unfortunately, sometimes these are people we love. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes they're people we choose as partners. Sometimes they are people outside of us, like in a political re- arena. Mm-hmm. Um, so the this is, and then cult leaders, Todd will tell you, I am absolutely fascinated by cults. I've mm. been studying them and reading about them for um, years. And there are some of them that I dive really deep into. And why is this? Because I'm so interested in people's psychology and I'm so interested in how it happens and who ends up in cults. Mm -hmm. And I'm so interested. My most interest, my biggest interest is people who are born into a cult and somehow figure out that they should leave. That to me is where I study because that's like someone who's born into an unhealthy family or born into um, a situation where- It's this is water. It is, where they look around and go, it doesn't have, this is not the way. But how crazy that you can be born into something so that's all you've learned, Mm -hmm. but there's something in you that knows it doesn't have to be this way. Hardwiring. Yeah. To, to get out, but those people are exceptional because yeah. most people stay in because they don't have any, they don't know any different. True, like what you know, some of my favorite. There's many favorite stories, but the girl who was raised in the Westboro mm-hmm. Church, the yeah. Baptist Church, who they're the people who walk around with horrible signs yeah. at funerals yeah. and say horrible things, and they're actually a very small church. She was raised in that church, born into that church, and she left, mm-hmm. and it was because of conversations with other people. Twitter. That's such an amazing story. But anyway, so how do we know? So what are the signs of gaslighting or of a gaslighter? Um, Someone who tells blatant lies. Okay. That's the first thing. So you know, it's a lie, Mm -hmm. but they look you in the eye and they tell the lie. And so it feels so like, and I've been using this word a lot lately with gaslighting, feels so audacious Mm -hmm. that you're like, there must be something truthful because about it. Because of their convincing nature of Correct. how they're presenting the information. Like someone who holds up, and I'm going to use something very, um, uh, you know, that no one's really doing, but just so you get an idea. If right now I was holding up the, the my coffee cup and it's black on the yeah. top, right? If I was like, that's not black. Mm-hmm. Right. And you were like, it's right. black. And I'm like, no, yeah. it's not black. Yeah. So I blatantly lie to you. And you question your not even beliefs, your your version of the truth. Correct. Yeah. It's like somebody like I have uh, clients and people I know who have like found things on their partner or on their kid's phone, mm-hmm. you know, like a like a text or a picture. And the person, the child or the partner is like, no, no, that, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like always those scenes in movies where somebody walks in on their partner, like having sex with someone else. Yeah. And the person will be like, this isn't what it looks yeah, like. Right. And it's exactly what it looks like. It's exactly what it looks like. But what does the blatant lie do? It makes us test our reality where we go, wait, am I not seeing what I'm seeing? 
Does that make sense? Yes. Like we really go into a sense of what am I missing? Yeah. Because we depend on other people yeah. to help us reality test. Okay. So this is very similar. Um, they deny ever, they deny that they ever said something, even though you have proof that they said it. Like right. this is an example of where, like, if you live with someone who is, um, a gaslighter, they may one day say, yeah, I did that. Yeah. I, you know, I mm. canceled your credit card mm. or, or yeah, I decided, you know, to do this thing. And then two days later, they'll be like, no, I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wait a second. Yeah, they just try to warp your sense of reality. Absolutely. And you, um, the more, and this is the frog in the frying pan or in the boiling water thing. Yeah. If that happens once, you may go, okay, come on. But someone who does that to you over and over again makes you think, am I missing something? We always question ourselves. Right. In any relationships, even if you're not in a relationship with an abuser or a narcissist or a dictator, right? we always question, like, you and I, like, when we have an argument, and this is a healthy thing to do, but we're always like, you know, okay, what did I say or do that maybe I shouldn't have said or done? Sure. You know, it's a, that's responsibility. Okay, so any, any questions about that th so far? Not so far. Okay. The next one is they'll use something that's near and dear to you as, like, ammunition against you. Mm. So if the, this is, you know how you and I always talk about when we argue, we don't go after the Achilles. Right. And so explain what that means. So, um, my Achilles heel when Kathy and I are having discussion, debate, whatever, heavy conversation is, um, the silent treatment. So I would much rather be conversing, even if it's kind of messy conversation, than if, than if Kathy withdraws, mm -hmm. um, and or what is something that would be horrible that I bring up? And you don't have to share, but like some people, the part, of, that is part of it. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, think of something. What if I started going after you and saying, you're not a good dad? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's something that I think I'm pretty good at. And I don't know, that would, it's part of who I am. So don't mess with the parts of who I am. It is your foundation. Right. Like if I was like, Todd, you really don't provide for us. Todd, you really don't. Mm. You're not a good dad. Can you imagine how much that would like shake your foundation? I can only imagine it because you and I have a healthy and a, but a lot of couples do that exact same thing. And that's what I'm trying to say is you're, you're thinking, oh my God, I got to yeah. shake that off because that's horrible. But that's what a gaslighter will do is they'll go after your foundational element. Yeah. Like they'll be like- Hit them where it hurts. You got it. Yeah. So part of it is how they do it. Like you said, the silent treatment. Mm -hmm. And part of it is they'll go after the things that are most important to you. So if you're like, I really want to please my parents. It just feels like it's just an upheaval uh, when somebody gaslights somebody else that they're just trying to mess with them on every deep level possible. Exactly. Yeah. It is a manipulation tactic. And we're going to get into after this, do they know they're doing it? Sure. Um, the whole tactic is created to throw you off course mm -hmm. And to test your reality, so you end up depending on their version of reality, so they can control you. Yes. Okay? So what you have to understand is that there is a method to the madness. The lies are to make you think something's wrong with you, so then you look to them for what, and I'm putting this in air quotes, truth is. Right. Okay? So they wear you down over time. 
you know, it's like I am going to tell you things that I know are blatantly lie lies, and I'm going to wear you down over time. Got so, it. one of the most what I tell my clients or people I work with, um, or even myself when I'm in this situation is, you know, one of the first questions is, is, are their actions matching their words? Mm -hmm. Like this is a way to kind of figure out, um, is, is there, what they're saying to you, is that matching the actions? So, you know, like they may say things like, they may tell you about a reality like, um, you know, oh yeah, I pay the bills all the time. Right. I pay the bills all the time. I'm getting the bills done. I'm in charge of the finances. Right. But are the bills paid on time and are they in charge of the finances? And they're not, but they're telling you that they are. Exactly. Yeah. And so they're part of the goal or the job of your of you as an individual as testing your own reality mm-hmm. is matching up words to action. Okay. This is something that I struggle with, with our current administration. Yes. I think we're being gaslit a lot. Yes. Um, this is my opinion. Um, but I think sometimes there are things happening where there's like, oh, I support this group. I support, you know, the LGBTQ community or I support. And then they'll say, yeah, but we're going to strip these rights. Right. And it's like, wait a second, wait a second, wait, 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 wait. And you have to like backtrack and be like, I am being told one thing with words but then the actions of the administration is opposite. Yeah. And you have to then be like, okay, wait a second. Why am I being told this? What am I really seeing? And can I be conscious of my own reality? So you see, this isn't always just about partnership. Sometimes this is in our workplace and our political environment. Like, you know, it's, it's what is the goal of the gaslighter to make you believe in their version of reality? Yeah. They're trying to, convince you of something correct in a very devious way for their own sense of control yeah and and a lot of times i mean not a lot of times every time gaslighting is based on insecurity right like the person who is gaslighting or the organization it's because they either feel a certain way about themselves or because they do indeed have something to hide right so they have to gaslight you or else they'll have to own up to something or recognize something in themselves that they don't want to okay so here's the crazy oh were you gonna play something um i wasn't gonna play anything so i'm just kind of i just googled uh famous examples of gaslighting sure sure go ahead um, and the, the, I found something about movies. Now, I'm not going to be able to explain any of these because I haven't seen most okay. of them, but maybe you have. There's sure. a movie called The Changeling. I don't know who's in that. I'm just going to throw it. I think that was, was that Nicole Kidman? No. Who was in The Changeling? Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. I don't know what happened there. Uh, yeah. Matilda, the kid's movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. Her parents. There. Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. And Whiplash. Yeah. Um, you saw Whiplash, right? I did not. We did a podcast on it, but I have yet to see that movie. Okay. So Whiplash was um, based on this kid, uh, Miles, what's his last name? Miles. Davis? No, but he ironically is a, is a musician mm. and he is um, a drummer mm. and he's really good. And in his high school or in his community, there's this um, like, uh, what am I want to call it? It's not a band. It's like a jazz band yeah. that you, if you get into it, you're considered one of the best. Mm-hmm. He gets into it. It just so happens the teacher is very abusive. Right. And basically he tells him horrible things about himself right. and things that he has to do. 
And why he does that is to break the kid down, which we see all the time, and have him believe in the reality of the teacher. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we the reason we talked about this... Oh, yeah. That was a great episode. I yeah, remember that one. Yeah. Is because the kid ends up becoming an extraordinary drummer. L- let me start over. The kid was already an extraordinary right, drummer. But he hit that level. He hit a level that was really amazing. And so a lot of people, after seeing Whiplash, they were like... But he became good. Mm-hmm. But you know what also happened to him? He basically lost his family. He lost his friends. He got into this horrible car accident. He became an emotional wreck. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, again, it's just like what we were talking about with sports in Norway. Yeah. Sometimes we're like, yeah, but the outcome was he became good. But he also internally yeah. became a very unhealthy human being. So it's a great movie. It's hard to watch. J.K. Simmons won an Academy Award for it because um, he's the teacher. Um, but anyway, so yes, we did a podcast, pod, good old number 219. Remember mm-hmm. that one, sweetie? I that do. Was wonderful. That was a long time ago. Um, we actually titled it, are the men in your life lonely, but we talked about, um, whiplash. Uh-huh. And then the only other thing is I did my quick research, literally, as you're explaining this to me, um, I'm not going to say this bad word, but it's the F word. It's, it's a mind F. Yeah, absolutely. That, for, but for me, like I need something simple because when I hear gaslighting, I'm like, like it doesn't mean anything to me yet. I'm mm-hmm. I'm just slowly. But the minute you say mind f, I'm like, oh, okay, I get that. Sure. So for anybody listening, like ah, uh, gaslight, I don't get it. It's a it's a mind f. Absolutely. Somebody's mind fing you. Mm-hmm. And gaslighting is usually clinical language. Yeah. I mean, I think it's become more mainstream because of what's going on in our country. But I, it's a yeah. uh, it's a clinical thing yes. that we use. Yeah. And you know, want to know one of the most famous gaslighters? Tell me. Uh, Manson. Oh, yeah. And the way that he learned how to be an effective gaslighter, Mm. because here's the thing, and we're going to, I'm going to dive into this in a second more deeply, but some people don't know they're doing it because they were raised on it. And so they continue to use it as a manipulation tactic. Yeah, it's a manipulation, right? Manson studied it. Mm. He actually read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. And so he, um, the chapter seven in that book, they talk about let other people feel that any idea is theirs. Mm. Now, here's something interesting. Obama, um, one of the things he talked about in one of his books, or maybe it's something he spoke about, is that's how he would lead when he was a community organizer and he was a politician, is he he would help his teams feel as if they had... It was their That's a good belief. Thing. Exactly. And Dale Carnegie, when he wrote this book, the whole intention was helping lead. Mm-hmm. But what Manson did is he took that and used it, manipulated yeah. it for negativity. Right. So he made his followers feel like right. the things they were doing were their idea. Right. And I didn't tell you to go kill those people. I was just watching um, the Greek wedding movie with John Corbett. What's it? Yeah, My Big Fat Greek my Wedding. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And uh, the Tula, the character, Tula, love Tula, wants to work, but her dad doesn't want her to work because it's Correct. very traditional. And so all the females in the group have this idea of presenting the conversation in such a way to allow that the patriarchal dad comes up with a solution Correct. that they all know Correct. is the one that they want to arrive at. But the only way that it's going to happen is if he thinks it's his own idea. Anyway. The, the, one of my favorite 30 Rock episodes is they have to hire a new cast member. And the whole goal of the oh, episode yeah, is, to, is, is to make Jack think that it was his idea to hire this person. Yeah. This is how we sometimes, when we know someone's a gaslight, or no, let me say this a different way. It's not about gaslighting. When we know somebody needs to believe that they're in control and that it's their idea, we will manipulate systems mm-hmm. to be like, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, oftentimes that's a very patriarchal, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of figure, we have figured out mm-hmm. how to make the the man in the family or the man who's in charge feel like they're the ones who have passed down this wisdom. When in fact, um, the, at least in that movie... The, the women are by far the smarter right. of the two genders. Right, And again, it doesn't even have to be so, you know, like I said, patriarchal, so I'm the one who brought it up, and that's just because that's the structure that we live in. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be gender-specific. No. There, Sometimes we do this with mothers. Yeah. You know, sometimes we do this with our partner, you know, if she happens to be a woman. So it's just a way we manipulate where we go, oh, thank you, and then we get what we want by yeah. making them think they're in control. Sure. So a few other things. This is the most confusing part. This is what I found threw me off when I was in a relationship like this. Occasionally, someone who's gaslighting you will throw something in that sounds kind or helpful, and then that throws off our reality because we'll be like, but they're doing this nice thing. Can you give me the example, an example you're thinking of Um, in your previous relationship? So someone who's like constantly cutting you down, making you feel horrible, and then one day they give you a huge compliment. Mm -hmm. And you're like, but if they were a horrible person, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't give me this compliment. But here's the thing. A lot of times they give you this compliment in an roundabout way to make themselves feel better. And I'll give you an example. What I always heard from this person was... I just wish I could be a super nice person like you are. Mm -hmm. I'm learning how to be a nice person like you are. Now, what- That that in a vacuum sounds benign. Right. It sounds nice and that they're giving me a compliment. Yeah. But really what they're saying is, look how I am. I am everything I'm trying to learn from you and I am therefore becoming a nice person. Mm -hmm. So there's a manipulation in there- Where you're like, oh, they think I'm great and nice, and look at how much nicer they're becoming because of me. So you not only you feel important, you feel valued, you feel seen, but really they're like, that's kind of what they go to. So it's almost like it's part of a system. Correct. You know, anything in a vacuum it's calculated can be interpreted a little bit differently. But if you look at the big picture of this ex-boyfriend or this ex-wife or this politician. Look at everything and you'll be able to detect quicker if somebody's mind effing you or gaslighting you. Notice what you're being praised for because it usually helps the gaslighter hmm. in some way yeah. where you're like, look how hard they're trying to like be kinder. Yeah. Do so you see how it, it helps them yeah. even though they're praising Especially you? Especially since you want to think the best in people. Of course. And this is a excuse to do that. Correct. Where yeah. you, you're like, they can't be so bad because they're, because they're doing this thing. Yeah. And, and we, so our brains are so hardwired to be empathetic toward people. And this is a good thing. Yeah. Um, we're so empathetic that we're like, when someone does something nice, we're, we really want to take that into account. Right. We want to be like, wow, the, you know, what a good heart or I see you. And it can be really confusing. So Uh, Just a few other things. This is super important, and this happens in our political environment. They use projection. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is lying, is a liar, that's something they do, like Mm -hmm. they tell blatant lies, then their criticism of everybody is they're lying. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the person who is lying knows they're a liar, so they project it out and they say everybody else is lying. Well, and and this is not a an easy topic to bring up, but I think of certain politicians that are in, in the past, uh-huh. that one guy who got busted for being in the bathroom and Minnesota. Right, right. He and was he like, was a huge, um, he, he was against the LGBT community mm-hmm. when in fact he was, he was a part, part of it. it. Exactly. So instead of 
owning that piece of himself, he resisted fiercely against it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Who was that guy? Um, I know exactly who you're talking about. I can see him. It was so many years ago. Yeah. Does it, that was like newsworthy for like a month. I and know. now anything like that would just be a Good blip. Day. I know. Um, because that teaches us a lot. We do sometimes, sometimes people who, pro, you know, that's why we say it's that uh, Shakespeare quote, you know, protesting too much. Mm-hmm. It's like you're protesting so much yeah. about something right. that there's something underneath it. You know, what is your fear? Why is this so bothersome? But, you know, with gaslighters, it's there, you know, the whole goal is to distract you and to, and, and get their needs met. Exactly. So they're distracting you, their, their behavior, they're saying, no, this person's doing my behavior, yeah, not it's, me. It's like a magician. Exactly. Like, you know, oh, that person lies to you all the time when really they're lying mm. to you all the time. So, and then they try to, align people like against you. So they will either, one of two things, they'll either tell you that people are against you, even though they don't know that's true. Mm-hmm. Like something like, you know, all the all the women at school can't stand you or all the teachers can't stand your child or all, you know, where they'll like say this thing to say everybody is against you or they're- Because if you're beat down, they're more in control of, of you. Of course. Right? And then if you if you're like everybody feels this way, then you think the blatant lies that person is telling you are then true. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the family feels like you should get a job. Yeah. When maybe that's Most not the people case. People don't even care if you get a nope. job or not. Exactly. Nobody's noticing. And then some people, like one couple I was talking to recently, the person in their life actually goes around to neighbors and to friends trying to get people to align with them. Yeah. So there is the literal alignment, which is I'm going to tell you negative stories about this person so you align with me. And then there's the false alignment, which is making up stories that everybody feels a certain way. Yeah. Everybody feels this way. You know, it's kind of like, again, uh, the political component to this is when um, we have a, a press secretary who says things like, everybody in the FBI agrees with us on this. And it was not true. Sure. Like, and that's something that has been, you know, and I know we all have difficulty with facts these days, but where that actually came out as something she admitted to, mm-hmm. you know, so we, when we try to align by saying everybody believes a certain way, but it's not true. Yeah. Okay. So the very simple way we do it is we start to, when our manipulation heightens, 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 again, remember the boiling water, we just start to tell that person you're crazy. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with you. So we take all these pieces and we, you know, put them all into a ball and throw it at someone and say, you're crazy. You're nuts. There's something wrong with you. You've got a problem. So wait a second. Are you, is this the gaslighter or the person who has been gaslighted? No, the person who has been gaslighted is totally beaten down. Right. So they're- so the gaslighter is saying something's wrong with you. They tell you you're crazy. Okay. I want so, to get to the part where, uh, what do we do about this when this right. happens? But go ahead. But there's this, the, and this is why I know, again, didactic. I'm going through everything detail-oriented, but sometimes we'll say, well, that's not that bad. That's not that bad. But wait, that's being done to me. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of have to parse this out and be like, sure. that's why it's hard to recognize because sometimes all of these things are in play. Yeah. Sometimes three or four of them are in play. But regardless, it's a manipulation. It's a harming technique. So, um, you know, anyway, they'll sometimes finally just, you know, it's the person in your life that says to you, um, there is something wrong with you. You're the black sheep. You're the problem in the family. You are the issue, Mm -hmm. you know? And this is something I really, before, and again, this 
is obviously where it gets really bad. But backing up from that, I often, when I have uh, clients in my office, and I know you do the same, Todd, and we do this in our talks, whenever a family starts a question by, we have this one child, and if this one child didn't have problems, our whole family would be healthy. And I'm very cautious, meaning I say to that family, that one child has some kind of bigger message and opening that they are trying to create. It may not be through a healthy way. You may be, in fact, correct that their health of this child or they're struggling or they are making poor choices. It's not that that's not true, but sometimes we try and make it about one person. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And so, okay, so that's like a tangent. But so... Finally, um, well, that's kind of, those are the things, those are the issues. So do you have any questions about anything I just said? Yeah, somebody hears this and they feel like they're getting gaslit by their boss, their secretary, their husband, their wife, their son, their daughter, like, what do you do? Well, I think the first thing is, is kind of what I said already about matching up what they're doing with what they're saying and also doing the same with you. Mm-hmm. May, something that gaslighting, the attempt, what gaslighters are trying to do, as I said, but I'm going to keep repeating it, are create a different reality for you. They're trying to test In your reality. In order to get their own needs, egoic needs met. Correct. And so part of self-awareness, which is what we talk about on this show all the time, is to have a clear sense of yourself, what you're bringing to any situation and what you are doing versus what you're saying. You know, it's, so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go on a little tangent, but this might be helpful. So egos, there's two different kinds of ego structures we can have. We can have an ego syntonic or an ego dystonic. Okay. okay. Ego syntonic sin, you know, like S um, Y N like, you know, that is synergy mm-hmm. is when things are in alignment. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And unfortunately, narcissist abusers, people like that, they, they are, they are ego syntonic, meaning they're doing things that are negative, but feel very just in doing it. They're people that they're, their ego. Like the ends justifies the means or they just think that it's all positive. Yeah. I'm right. I am a hundred percent sure I'm right. I'm a hundred percent sure you're wrong. Um, Like for example, someone who has anorexia. And and again, I'm I'm going off gaslighting for a second, everybody, just so you know that I'm trying to explain some concepts here. Someone who has anorexia, they, they, their ego is in complete alignment with like they're, they're they think they look fat yeah. even when they're 90 pounds yeah and they believe that their actions are connected to the way they look and feel and they feel completely whole and they, well they don't feel whole they feel justified yeah they have what's called body dysmorphic disorder yeah. where they look in the mirror and they what see they something see something is not right is not what it. it is so they feel so when someone says to them oh but you're so skinny they're like no 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 I see myself clearly. Mm-hmm. You don't. Dystonic is somebody who maybe has anxiety or like OCD, who's very clear that they're like, what I'm experiencing is not like I'm I'm checking the door five times and I know that I shouldn't be doing that. 
Do you so see? they're aware of it? They're aware of it. So mm. dystonic means what's going on inside of you, you know it's not a healthy thing. Got it. Do you so, see what I mean? So if you're going to have one or the other, you want to have ego dystonic because you're at least aware of it, whereas egocentonic, it seems like you're justified Correct. and convinced that that is the reality. Now, egocentonic can be healthy if you are, if you have some humility and understanding of yourself. Okay. Like if I go out in the world and I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a pretty healthy human being. I'm kind. I have challenges. Um, whatever. That's syntonic. Like mm-hmm. what I'm putting out there is like what I really believe myself to be. There is a, there is a synchronicity. You know, like they're connected. Sure. So it's not that one. It's not that these two things are always unhealthy yeah. or healthy or unhealthy. It's how you're using it. But the narcissist, when you say to the narcissist, I really think maybe you need some therapy because you're hurting people. No, I'm not. They're hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. They are completely believing that what they're doing is 100% fine. Got it. And so somebody who is a gaslighter is like, what are you talking about? So they are egocentric, which is it can be very different, difficult to treat. Sure. Um, uh, people with borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. off, they experience this too. Is like, no, no, this is what I must do. Yeah. You don't understand. This is my reality. And if I don't do this, then everything will not work out. Right. So- there are, and again, there's, there's hope in all of this, meaning there are people who, this isn't hopeless. There are people who can realize that maybe they were raised this way, like had they had a parent who gaslit them, who basically like, say you came from a divorced family and the mother or the father would say to you, your father is a deadbeat. He's a horrible person. Now you're looking at your father going, he, but he's paying mm-hmm. and he's showing up. Yeah. I don't get it. But the mom's like, nope, deadbeat, deadbeat. Yeah. So there's a gaslighting sure. and she is trying to get you to side with her. Yeah. She wants control and she's going to tell you negative things about this other person. It could go the other way too. The dad who says, you know, your mother doesn't love you. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one who loves you. That's gaslighting too. Do you see this as a manipulation that's used? Right. And I think the antidote is self-worth, self-awareness, self-love, it. like everything that we've talked about for the last eight years. Correct. So if you can, if we, why there's hope in this is if for people we love, if we can help them understand that this may have been you, and again, it's really not our job. It's more of a therapeutic thing. If we can get them the support they need mm-hmm. so they can begin to understand that this may have been a manipulation used against you, yeah. where you learned how you lost control and you learned this as a tactic to get control back, then you're just recycling an old trauma. Right. But there are some people, the ego, you know, syntonic people, who really don't see any problem with mm-hmm. their ways. They're like, this is just the way I am. Right. So you're always kind of hoping for some to, to be able and and oftentimes if you know, if you've got a partner who's like, or, or sometimes they learn over time where they're like, I keep losing partners. They keep leaving me. What's going on? And they finally get into therapy and the therapist can be like, dude, you are trying to control and manipulate people. Right. And so there is hope, but I'm tending to, you know, again, going back to what can someone do? Keep reality testing your situation. If someone is blatantly lying to you and they're doing it again and again and again, there is a sense of, okay, wait, who am I going to trust in this situation? The best case scenario is you have people in your life 
who you know would never lie to you, Mm -hmm. like a parent or a best friend or a grandmother or a, you know, so you can reality test against them. So the closer somebody is, like say somebody has a gaslighter in their stratosphere. Right, in their stratosphere. And it happens to be like, you know, your boss's boss, who you don't have to deal with much other than once a month at a meeting. Correct. That's going to be easier. It's going to be easier. This is your mom. Yes. It makes it... Uh, harder probably to detect. It Harder to detect. And yeah. even if you detect it, harder to detach from it. Right, exactly. That's what I was going for. I feel like, a lo- or if you have been in a partnership mm. where this has been your dynamic, then you really say things like, they know more than I do. Yeah. You know, I can't make that decision because they know more. Mm-hmm. And there's really this belief that there's this hierarchy where you need them. Or else you would, you know, you you don't even know what's left and right, up and down. Right. Or where you say, yeah, I am the one who causes the problems. Let's think about Big Little Lies because you and I have talked about that. Sure. You didn't see season one with me, but in season two, you got the gist of when Celeste, who is Nicole Kidman, was in therapy. She still felt like her getting beat up and abused was her fault. Yeah, she took responsibility for it. She's like, if I would have done this differently, if I would have done this, she really believes... That Perry, he had made her believe Mm -hmm. that if she would just be different, she wouldn't get hit. And this is what we experience. And and what I'm saying, we, anybody who's been gaslit, where she has internalized that. Well, I would assume that there's probably a lot more females that this happens to than males. It it happens to both. It happens to both. From both genders. Mm -hmm. But I'm guessing if you were to do a whatever, a study on gaslighting, I'm guessing it happens a lot of from the male to the female. Well, um, because of the structure of our society, it makes most sense because yeah. we're in a patriarchal society and there is a a sense of uh, a, a belief system, true or not, that men should be in control. Yeah. That, you know, we know this from like a presidential, and I'm not talking about the most recent presidential election. I'm talking about any kind of discussion about, it's not even presidential, mayor, uh, senator, whatever, look at how our society is set up. Sure. There's not that many women who get, who. and if you have an election, there's a lot of talk about, well, will the woman be able to handle this? Will she be too emotional? Mm-hmm. Like we really believe that men should have more control and power. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't really want to believe it anymore yeah. and we want to believe we can be equal, we're still working through a lot of old patterns. Yeah. Um, and we have to be compassionate about that because when you've been raised and baked in that system, sure. it we've internalized it. Yeah. So because of that structure, that makes most sense. That, And I don't have any statistics to share with you. I can tell you though that um, in my office, because I see women um, and because I talk to women, that's my that's the general population that I work with and younger girls, it's happening all the time. Sure. You know? Um, but I will also say, because we're talking about genders, that a lot of times the gaslighter was a mother. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So in, you know, I'm talking about partnerships and friendships and stuff, but a lot of times the the man who's now gaslighting was gaslit by his mother. Mm-hmm. So you never know where it started. Yeah. And it's a big circle, you know, circular thing that happens over and over and over again. Exactly. So, and then, you know, that's really the thing is like, there's no, um, there's no simple solution, but I think sometimes we have red flags. Like I remember when I was in my situation, some of my friends were like, something doesn't feel right there. Yeah. Like I had people who I loved and trusted. That's why you need those people in your life. You do. And they weren't like 
envious or jealous or saying you're not around anymore. They were saying, that doesn't seem like something you would do. Yeah. Or that doesn't feel like you or Mm -hmm. you. Sometimes there are people who are doing their best to point out that doesn't seem fair. Mm. And that doesn't mean... That's why you need friends who are willing to um, not just be supportive at all costs. Like, you know, you had a boyfriend who wasn't the nicest boyfriend in the world. And, you know, there's times when, you know, depending on the level of friendship you have with your girlfriends, they might just want to like blindly support you and want you to be happy in your relationship. You need some ball busting people in your life to say, this ain't right. Yeah. I, one of my favorite, uh, it's not on anymore. This podcast, Dear Sugar is not on anymore, but it was Cheryl Strayed and Steve Allman. And they used to, you know, deep dive into things like this. You know, people would write letters and they would talk about it. And I, I remember one of my favorites was Cheryl was talking about how she is that friend when she sees, she has had friends who she's seen be abused or gaslit or, um, taken advantage of in whatever way. And she's like, I, I do show up as that friend. And say, because she's like, I needed that in my life. Well, and even to bring it to a different level, if you happen to be the person that is ugly or nasty, you need friends to call your own crap out too. Yeah. Like the same, right? What are you doing to this person or to this system or to this job or whatever? Like you need, you need... Uh, people in your life that's going to hold you accountable. Well, here's you know here's a gaslighting situation where um, that is so easy to see now. Mm-hmm. Do you remember dear? Do you remember um, what's the podcast? The John, Dirty John. Yeah, he is a gaslighter. Oh, yeah. to the a yeah. thousandth degree. Yeah. So Dirty John is a TV show that Connie Britton was in, and also a podcast that you can so based easily on a real download, story, based on a true story. And Dirty John was. A gaslighter. He was a manipulator. He lied blatantly. Mm-hmm. He created stories. He made her think she was crazy. Yeah. He turned her against her children. Yeah. He he wanted yeah. control. It's a wonderful example. And the thing is, is why I bring this up is you're like the gaslighter needs people around him to point it out. A lot of times, people who are manipulative surround themselves with other manipulators. Yes. They've either lost all their friendships. Like remember his sister tried mm-hmm. to help him mm-hmm. and she's like, he's like, no, you're the problem. Mm-hmm. Here's the sister like loves him dearly yeah. and he can't. And, but why did that happen to him? His father gaslit him yeah. made, you know, made him believe that he was the horrible person and that he was the one who was causing the problems in the family. So you can see this as a cycle of abuse, but regardless of why someone's doing it, it never makes it okay. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of empathy and compassion for people who have who are stuck in a cycle of abuse who are using this, meaning that I always tell my social work students, if you're going into this field, you have to be willing to work with a perpetrator and the victim. Right. You can't be like, no, I only care about one side. You yeah. have to help everybody. The big but is you you don't you don't then say, no, you know, like, in, I'll just use Dirty John again. She kept staying with him because she felt bad. And she's like, but someone has to love him. Someone has to love him, which I totally fell into that too. No, you don't. Like no. this is, there is, you can have empathy for that person and, and not feel be sad, with them. but not be abused yeah. in that situation. So I work with a few uh couples who are going through a divorce and, um, you know, there's been situations like this where they're like, well, I'm going to have to let this person abuse me because we share childcare or whatever. You don't have to let them abuse you. You may need to figure out a way to, you know, mediate this situation, but 
there is this fine line of you have to keep your own reality in check. You have to keep your foundation strong because a manipulator, if all they know how to do is manipulate, keep doing it. Your compassion for them does not keep that from happening. So did that help? Like the way, meaning your question of how to, what to do. Um, surround yourself with trustworthy people. You know, hey, I I heard on the podcast of what gaslighting is. What I like to refer to as the mind f. Is am I nuts or is is this ha- you know to a trusted trusted colleague? Ask them. Yeah. You know, so I guess the tool or the takeaway of the, today's podcast is if you think you might be a victim of this, ask. Yeah. Somebody that you trust. Talk through a situation and yeah. say, I trust you. So can you, and again, I'm, I'm using the word reality testing. And basically what that means is figuring out what reality well, really is. Well, and you know, you need objectivity. You do. And we cannot give ourselves mm-hmm. objectivity because we are living with ourselves. Correct. So it's, you know, for me, like when I'm working with guys, I'm coaching guys, I could see what's going on with them really, really quick. Super clearly. I cannot see myself. Mm-hmm. And I got just as much baggage and stuff that I'm dealing with as the next guy. Uh, it's just harder to see. Yeah. So, th- so that's the key is you, you know, we all, this is where, you know, we all, something that Todd and I talk about on Visit Parenting Radio all the time is connection is essential. We need other people. We need to feel connected. That is why we're here. At the very same time, paradoxically, paradoxically, we have to have our own sense of self to have healthy connection. Mm-hmm. Unhealthy connection is when we depend on someone so much that we actually use their reality and we believe anything they say and we allow them to dictate what's happening. Well, we human beings are so hardwired towards connection. We'll connect whether it's positive, negative, manipulated, unhealthy, unhealthy, healthy. Mm -hmm. We'll, We'll figure out a way to connect, whether it be with, you know, smoking dope or whether it be... Gossip. Gossip or living with the wrong person. Right. Like, well, we have to connect one way or another. And, you know, it's almost like I want to take that word connect and say that doesn't even apply. Like, we're trying to connect, but really that's not connection. Well, it's that's not authentic. It's not authentic connection. Exactly. It's, that's a good way to say it. That's not true connection. That's yeah. not authentic connection. True connection is to healthy, you know, relatively speaking, we all have crap, don't get me wrong, but two people who have their own sense of reality about what's right and wrong for them. Mm. And they come together, you know, it's the Gibran quote, the two trees side by side who come together and have relationship and connection as autonomous people. You know, it's when people say, you know, now two people became one, they shouldn't, two people should not become one. Unhealthy. Two people should remain two people together. So this is like (laughs) where... You know, it can be challenging, but I think that the goal of this podcast for Todd and I was just to make sure under everybody understands this word. Yeah. Obviously, go and do your own research. Um, this is my interpretation. This is the um, what I have found, and, and obviously, I've done a lot of reading about it. But go read about gaslighting. Go read about famous gaslighters. You know, um, and just so you know, the goal of this is not to point fingers at someone and say this is what you are. It's to recognize your own sense of worth. You do not allow somebody to tell you you're something you're not. Yeah. You know, like you you don't allow someone to dictate and and falsify your reality when your reality is is honest. Yeah. And this is this is messy. Mm-hmm. Especially if this is a family system yeah. where you this has become something that a lot of people use. Um it's messy, but it's um 
it's it's part of self-awareness. Yeah. So. Um, two more announcements. Uh, we do a podcast called Pop Culturing. Um, I don't know what our next one is going to be. It might be Dead Poet Society. might be something else. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Uh, and then we do something called Team Zen. So if you like this podcast, you'll love Team Zen. Uh, we do two virtual calls a month where you get to ask us questions. Uh, we've done 64 of them. So the minute that you join Team Zen, you get, you will, 64, podcasts. You get 64 brand new podcasts that is specific to uh, very specific situations. That, And I'm sure that if one person has it, a lot of people have it. Um, Facebook community, 25 bucks a month. Um, and then you also get a discount if you're a Team Zen member if you purchase tickets to the conference. So a lot of different things. And we bring on authors to talk with you if you're on Team Zen, so you can ask these authors questions. Um, we have micro communities. Basically, all that means is we have smaller groups within Team Zen, like people supporting each other around certain things, like differently wired children or raising teenagers. So it's a really, it's kind of one of those things where we created where you don't have to parent alone. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say to us, Oh, but in my community, nobody thinks, talks, acts the way I do. I wish I had more people to talk with. Mm -hmm. Here you go. And there's like five or six different things that you can get out of it, like the podcast or interacting with Kathy and I in real time or Facebook page. And I don't think anybody in, you know, takes all five of them. It's they, they pick what works for them. Whatever each month. Like sometimes they're big talkers and sometimes they're not. And, uh, you know, just if you like the show, if you want to support us, it's one way of kind of supporting what Kathy and I do with Zen Parenting because, um, you know, it's a free podcast. We sometimes have partners that we talk about, but rarely. Um, So anyways, we'd love for you to join the team. And I'll even read your name if you uh, join the team on the podcast. Oh, we got, um, I'll I'll save the reviews till next time. So we got three reviews I wanted to mention, but we'll do that next time. Um, That's it. In about a month, no month, but three weeks, we're going to have John Duffy on because he's got a new book. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. And stay tuned for our announcement for the Zen Parenting Conference 2020, February 28th and 29th. And just thanks for listening. We appreciate everybody. Um, I hope you had a great summer. I know we've started the school year already, and I'm sure some of you are getting geared up to do so. So we're right there with you. And keep trucking, everybody. See you next week. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Hey, we just launched our new podcast, Pop Culturing. It's Generation X look at movies, TV with a focus on personal growth and self-awareness. Basically, it's the flip side of ZPR. We break down key moments and little known facts and discuss what it means to be human. It's the podcast we've been searching for so we decided to create it ourselves. Yes. Did you know, Todd, that we have a third podcast? I did not know that. We do. It's called Zen Talks, and it's included with Team Zen membership. You get access to all the Zen Talks, the podcast, and that's we have like 60 and counting, access to a community Facebook page where you can ask us your personal questions, and you have access to a parenting community so you will never feel alone again. Within Teams, then there are smaller groups like raising a differently wired kid or raising teenagers. Just don't do parenting alone. Join Team Zen. Hey, we want to tell you about an exciting weekend workshop we have coming up on October 25th through the 27th at the Majestic 1440 in the California Redwoods near Santa Cruz. For more details, go to uh, ZenParentingRadio.com. 
invite us to speak to your organization or your school about sex ed in the 21st century. It's the most important communication that parents can have with their kids, but it's not happening nearly enough. Email Todd at zenparentingradio.com or go to zenparentingradio.com to submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our other upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop Amazon, you can help us out by going to our Amazon link under support us on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Guys, two things. I have a coaching practice and it's called toddadamscoaching.com. Check it out. And I also have a tribe men's group. And in the past, it's always been um, in person, but we now have a virtual community. We do at least one virtual call a month and it's awesome. Check it out. Go to tribemensgroup.org. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Don't forget to put next year's ZPR conference on your calendar. It's February 28th and 29th. Boom. Um, And finally, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty. He has a company called Avid, painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Thank you, Jeremy. And thanks to all of you listeners for your love and support. And for goodness sakes, just keep on trucking.